Yeah, Katie Day, yeah, and I'm definitely a geek. But you know, in the words of the great poet laureate Ronan Keating, life is a roller coaster. Wait a minute, I think I'm getting my Ronins confused. Anyway, um, you know, this week has been <laughs> Oh, it's been one for the ages. Um you know, I had I had the Power Ranger event thing on Sunday and it was fantastic. It was so much fun. I was riding high, everything was great, and then I walked outside to get on my bike and where's my bicycle light it's gone yeah somebody stole my bicycle light i can't believe it and it was a really cool rechargeable type you know you could plug it in via micro usb and everything and i mean that thing takes a while to get on and off of there i mean it wasn't easy definitely they had to sit there and unscrew it and pop it off and everything maybe i'm just bad at installing it i don't know but regardless it's gone and and i'm kind of sad and thus began and it's only wednesday a roller coaster of a week. It's just been, it feels like, you know, in, in Pooh, you know, Winnie the Pooh and there's, there's Eeyore and you know, that little black rain cloud that, you know, seems to follow him. I feel like someone took that and mounted it on a drone and it's just following me around. I mean, literally it's, it's little things like I, I'm at the grocery store trying to buy something, you know, buy lunch and I, I drop my, my card underneath the counter and it takes them five minutes to move the thing to figure out where my card is and I mean just little things that just everything that could possibly go wrong seems to have gone wrong this week and we're only on Wednesday from just little things here and there to bigger things like the women's curling the Japanese team we got so excited because the announcers were all saying in Japanese and I double checked this you know before I posted it oh we're going to the finals we're going to the finals well then it turns out yesterday they lost and now now it's like, oh, we're not going to the finals. So I'm very confused as to what's going on. But we have our final game tonight. And hopefully if we win this, it'll be ours. I think the way it works is that if we win tonight, we're guaranteed a spot. And if we lose, it'll be like a tiebreaker situation between us and maybe three or four other countries. But regardless, it's just been an up and down roller coaster of a week. And, you know, frankly, there just hasn't been enough tech news in, in, in there for me to warrant wanting to type anything out. Today, I am going solo with no script um i'm gonna talk about a couple of things i'm gonna talk about trying to watch the olympics on broadcast television and how terrible an experience it was and also trying to get what was on my recorder onto my fire tv and that was also an experience and uh, and it reminded me why i don't you know watch broadcast tv anymore but first i've been watching too much celebrity big brother but first i want to talk about a cool project i'm working on right now that i use in class and also I, eventually someday we'll have a game show party and use it there um so let's get started so right now I'm working on a few different game shows. I have a, a, a couple of archived ones. I've got a Pressure Luck one. I've got Super Password. i got a few others. The ones that I'm working on right now are Family Feud and Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. Now, Family Feud's basically done at this point. I just have to figure out fast money, and it's hard because I need some way to write, be able to type in things as they're doing it and be able to save that into variables. And That's a whole thing. I really I don't know SQL. I do everything in JavaScript, HTML5, and CSS, and I would love a way to write in JavaScript directly to text files. And all of you out there who are security nuts are going, wait, that's a huge security risk, I know. But I mean, there has to be a way to do it, right? Like there has to be, because this is just an offline app. You know, I need, I think there's like local storage in JavaScript, but regardless, I, I would love some way to actually write things so that when you close the program, it, it you know, saves everything. But anyway, point being, uh, Family Feud's basically done. And what I'm working on right now is Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? Now, Millionaire is a little different because I play it in class. And, you know, normally with Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, you have 15 questions. If you miss a question, the game's over. But that doesn't really work when you're doing it in class. So I need to find a way to 
to use it, but tweak it a bit. So I made it a team game. So I have six teams, and each team has an iPhone 4S. Now, why a 4S? Well, one, it's the first iPhone that has low-energy Bluetooth, and two, it's still reasonably up-to-date. Uh, not really, but it's on iOS 9, and so a lot of apps are still supporting it. There's a great app I've been using called Buzzer. It's fairly hard to find in the store. It's a terrible name for an app, but it works great, and it's supported all the way up to iOS 11. It's a 64-bit app, so I can run it on those iPhone 4Ss and have one on my iPad Pro that's a control device, and basically, it gives you three options. It gives you first to buzz in, which acts just like a standard buzzer. They push the button, and it tells you who buzzed in first, although I don't want to use those that way because without wires, it's like, yeah, I buzzed in, I buzzed in, and you get people fighting, so it's easier when they're all wired up and they're all the same cable and it's easier. It also has another mode that gives you multiple choice, A, B, C, D, and E, and I use that for Millionaire. There's also a third option for free input, which pops up a keyboard, and basically they can type something in. So that'd be cool at maybe junior high or high school. I don't teach high school, but um, at junior high, you know, you could type something in and have them send it. So you could put a question on the board and, you know, have them send it. And these were all really cheap iPhone 4Ss. They're basically more or less junk. No one wanted them. The batteries are kind of shot. Really, I have to give the kids a iPhone 4S, a battery pack, and a cable, and it's a 30-pin connector cable. I found a bunch of them cheap at the 100 yen store, but they tend to break, so I have a few like backups just in case. I give them a cable, and it charges enough to keep them going. I also am able to put it into guided access mode, which locks it down to that single app so the kids can't play. It's great, but the main problem with this is that you have the A, B, C, D, and E, and E is when they want to use a lifeline, they push it because it's a team game. So each team answers on their own. If you get a question right, you get those points. If you get a question wrong, you lose half your score. And the idea is to encourage them, but there has to be some sort of risk or otherwise they'll just, you know, not take it seriously. Um, and once you get to the fifth and 10th questions, there's like a minimum of like, you'll never drop below this again. So I kind of have played tested it enough and thought it out that it really is it's, it works and it's a lot of fun and I used it over New Year's with my family and, and we had a great time. But one of the major problems with it is that I have to be the one to actually input each of the answers. And so it pops up on my iPad Pro and so I posted this on, on Twitter but I haven't talked about it on the podcast. Um, some of the Olympics apps, for example, if you're doing AirPlay, they won't full screen. They won't show the full screen on the TV, and even on the iPad version, some of them are only compatible with the iPhone, so they won't actually fill the iPad screen. But if you turn on inaccessibility, there's zoom, and you triple tap, and it zooms the screen in. And so I use that as well on this app because it's designed for iPhone, So, but I can zoom it in a little bit more, make it look bigger. It looks pretty cool. So... On my iPad Pro, when they enter an answer in, it shows up on my screen, but then I have to use the keyboard to input it into the computer, and it locks in. And the problem is that it just, it's annoying, <laughs> frankly. I, I would rather be walking around just kind of, you know, checking or just kind of relaxing and enjoying things if we can automate the process, right? That's the, that's the goal. So... I have a buzzer system that I've been using for a long time. Uh, it's based on what's called a makey-makey. Now, a makey-makey is effectively a small little keyboard, although it doesn't have a full set of keys, and it's, it's actually just a, a board. It's like an Arduino-based board that functions like a keyboard. It tricks the computer into thinking it's a keyboard. And so it has solder pads on there, and it's got some little places to put wires. And you basically, the way I do it at least, to make a simple one-button 
push button buzzer set. I get a push button from Denden Town. That's the local electronics district here in Japan, in Osaka. And I get a push button and I solder one wire onto an RCA jack and I solder one of the other parts of the wire of the push button to the other end of the RCA jack. So really you only need two wires per button. And then I take an RCA cable. That's just the red, white, yellow audio video cables for just standard definition. They're cheap. They're easy to find. And you can have up to three on one cable. So it really makes it easy. I actually have some that are one single button that I use for like buzzer games where it's like, who's the quickest to buzz in? And I have some that are like three buttons, you know, one, two, three for different options and things like that. But we'll get to why I can't do this for a million or a second. Regardless, you take that RCA cable, right? You plug it into one end of the buzzer and then the other end goes into the control box and the control box has the makey makey. And I've got a bunch of different ports lined up there for the RCA jacks and each one is for a different button. My JavaScript program uses a really cool library that converts key presses into functions. It's called mousetrap. Basically you register a specific key press and it can even just be like something like shift W. You can have W, shift W, alt W, whatever. The buzzers tend to be up, down, left, right, that sort of thing because they're already on the pads. So the makey makey comes with like, I think it's like 12 or 16, up to 16 different buttons, 12 or 16, something like that. Um, And they're configurable because it's an Arduino. So you basically plug it up to the Arduino software and you can change what each of the slots each of the registered buttons is. So if you have two makey makeys, you could almost get a, you could, you could actually, I think, get a full set of keys for the alphabet. Regardless, my buzzer program is checking for input and it has a lockout system where it sets a variable. If one team buzzes in, it locks everybody else out and it, you know, shows up red team buzzed in, blue team buzzed in, whatever. It's great for something like Jeopardy where you just have something simple. You have multiple teams. Each one has a buzzer. They buzz in and you're done. But for something like Millionaire, it gets more complicated because what I had envisioned was being able to have five buttons on the control panel, A, B, C, D, and E, E effectively being a button, red button in the center, that's what I went with, they can push to, tr- to scroll through their lifelines. Now, I activate the lifelines because I don't want them being able to trigger it, but if they push A, B, C, D, it would lock in that as their final answer, or final answer in Japanese. <laughs> anyway, Millionaire was really popular here, by the way. Regardless, the problem is that that would be five RCA cables, right? Going on the back of that. It, it's too much, you know, because you have five times six because I have six teams. That's like 30 cables running around the classroom. That's so much to bring with me, so much to get tangled up. It, it's just a mess. There has to be a better way to do this, I thought to myself. Well, one thing that's really great about living here in Japan is that there's a district that has a bunch of junk products, just tons of old used stuff. And I found a bunch of little Ethernet jacks for like 50 yen a piece. And Ethernet's really great because it has eight wires and I only need six. I need five, one for each of the buttons and then a sixth one for a ground. And that creates a circuit. And then I just run that ground wire to each of the five different buttons, wire it up and you're done. And Ethernet cable is really cheap. You know, I looked into maybe like serial cables or or, you know, parallel ports or stuff like that, because they have those too. But the problem is that getting long cables like that, they're really expensive. Whereas Ethernet cables are fairly cheap, comparatively speaking. I haven't quite gotten all the cables yet. But one thing I'm thinking about doing, maybe getting some long cable and just capping them myself. But I have six colors for each of the teams, red, blue, yellow, pink, green, and purple. So I would love to get six different Ethernet colors, red, blue, yellow, pink, green, purple. It makes it easy to clean up, easy to sort everything. Plus, the fact is I'm using these really teeny tiny Tupperware containers. That, well, they're not legally Tupperware, I suppose, but I got them at the 100 yen store and they're perfect. They're like palm size. Literally, they're like half the size of an iPhone 10. You think about it like that. 
and uh, and they're great. And it's just enough for these little teeny tiny push buttons. I wanted it to be small because it's easy to transport on my electric bicycle. It doesn't have a light anymore, <laughs> but it's okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna figure something out. Maybe go to Hunter's store and get a new light. But it's easy to transport them because they're light. They're easy to hand out to the kids. And if they break them, well, it didn't cost me that much to build them to begin with. Each of the buttons is like maybe eighty yen, and each of the things you get a pack of the plastic containers three or four of them is like 100 yen so really it doesn't cost that much the cost mainly and the ethernet jacks were 50 yen a piece so the cost really mainly is just on the cables and the makey makey of course but i have three different makey makeys i've acquired over the years and i keep repurposing them for different things but regardless the makey makeys aren't that expensive the official one is maybe 40 50 us dollars i think you can't get them in japan unfortunately i had to order them from amazon us but um, there are some knockoffs because it's open source hardware so people can clone it and i found a really decent hardware clone for under 20 so that was great i'm like okay i'll give this a shot and it had a different name on there but it turned out perfectly so this is a great way to get it set up and have them be able to have a dedicated input and not have to worry about wireless lag or oh teacher i pushed the button it's not registering because occasionally there's dropouts when you have that many wireless things going i've got six iphone 4s's i have my iphone 10 i've got my my computer as well as my ipad pro and there's the apple tv there's airplay going on all sorts of stuff it's just it's a lot you know and so it's better to just kind of minimize the amount of wireless that's going on and frankly for buzzers hardwired is better regardless but anyway it's a really cool kind of project there's a great company that makes adobe air apps they're crowd control games uh, and they had a thing on youtube many years ago about how to make buzzers using makey makey and they have a buzzer app that they've made uh that uses this and it reads up to eight different key presses and it fills the screen red or blue or whatever. And I used that for a while, but eventually I just decided, well, I'll make my own. So I'll put some links in the show notes if you're interested in this kind of thing, but they're really easy to make. They're kind of fun. And and I'm sure you could use these for all sorts of uses. I mean, Makey Makey just uses keyboard inputs. And so you can set things up and maybe have a panic button or something that plays a sound or something on your computer. There's lots of different possibilities. So check into it. It's pretty cool. And in this shortened, abbreviated show, so I don't lose my sanity trying to get a, a long, full-size podcast out this week, I wanted to talk about my experiences with broadcast television. So last week, we talked about Satellite. And, you know, this week, there was one curling game out of all of the curling games that they didn't show live simulcasted streaming. It was only on broadcast television. And I didn't realize this until about 8.05, which is right when the game was set to start. I fired up my apps and where is everything? Nothing's in here. And then I panicked. I'm like, okay, well, at least I'm at home. Thank goodness. But I had to dust off my television, literally dust off my television, get all of the clothes and everything off of it. And then I had to pull out my Blu-ray recorder. Now I have a Panasonic Blu-ray recorder I bought years ago. It's maybe four or five years old at this point. And it plugs right into the wall and it had everything set up. It was great channels were there but it was tuned to channel six and the curling match is on channel 10 well okay no problem i'll just uh where's the remote oh right there's no buttons on this thing and i don't know where the remote is i just never use it anymore it's been that long you know and so i thought okay well it's okay there's an app called dixim play and it's on the fire tv now it costs like 1400 yen and Frankly, I've been burned by Dixon before. They have really, really strict policies on copy protection and what you're able to do while you're doing this stream. And the problem was that I had purchased one of these before for my iPad Pro, and I tried that, but it wouldn't let me airplay it. It kept 
popping up a message, airplay isn't allowed when you're streaming. And it's like, but it's it's my content and it's legal. Like this is off air. I'm they want you to pay more for advanced functionality. It's crazy. I, I guess I understand, but maybe if they offered higher quality applications, maybe I'd be willing to pay for it. Regardless, their apps are just terribly designed, horrible fonts, massive interfaces or two tiny interfaces. You know, the one on the Fire TV, it literally looks like they just took a tablet app and blew it up. I mean, there's like massive buttons and you can't quite tell what you're pressing. And, you know, you maybe get four, five options in a list. And it's like, this is a 1920 by 1080, right? And yet, it can only show me four or five items on a list. Like, I don't understand. Why are you using that big a font? And it crashes and it's slow and they're just annoying. But I'm like, all right, I'm desperate. I want to watch curling. I'm going to try this. And I tried it. And it just kept saying in Japanese, could not start stream, could not start stream, could not start stream. That's a very helpful error message. I Googled it. Nothing. Just nothing. It's all right. Let's go to plan B. Actually, I think we're on plan C at this point. So I can see that I'm getting channel six. So I'm at least getting off the air channels. I know that it's hooked up properly, but I just can't find a way to change the channel because I don't have the remote. So I remembered that there used to be a Panasonic remote app called Diga Remote, and it was in the app store. And I went and clearly it hasn't been updated in a couple of years, more than just like support and maintenance updates, because it was blown up on my iPad Pro 12.9 inch, clearly hadn't been reformatted. And when I first got there, it wouldn't load anything. I tapped on an on a channel, because it showed the channels, it connected properly, it showed the player name and everything, but when I tap on a channel to change it, it would just crash the app, and I tried it again, and it would just crash the app, it would just freeze, and I would have to force quit it, and eventually I just was like, okay, something's wrong, it's not, clearly something is wrong with the player, and then I thought, wait a minute, maybe the hard drive's full, because I haven't used this in a while, and I had a bunch of recordings that were set to record every week. I mean, they were from 2015 when I checked. I mean, literally, it's been almost three years since I've touched this thing. It's just sitting there, you know? But it occurred to me that, yeah, okay, the hard drive must be full. So, great, okay, in this remote app, there must be a way to manage recordings. Okay, I looked in there, and there's recordings. I can see all the recordings. Okay, I tap one, and it's uh, it's playing. Okay, why is it playing? Okay, well, this is from 2015. That's nice. I remember this show. It was a good show. Oh, but no. Portrayals of women. Oh, oh, you're marrying who? Oh, oh, that's all you care about. Well, I guess this is why I stopped watching television in Japan. Anyway, I ended up looking at it and there's no button to delete. It's like a four hour show. It's clearly eating up a ton of space and and there's no button to delete. (sighs) Time to go to plan. What are we on? D? E? Uh, D, I think. Okay. I remember that there's a website called demora.jp. Also, a horrible interface that clearly hasn't been updated in like five years. It doesn't even feel remotely part of my screen on the iPad or on my desktop Mac. It's crazy. It's like there's borders on the side. It's like, it's almost like it's in frames. Like it's, yeah. And then so I remember on there, there was an interface somehow that you can connect it remotely via the network to be able to delete an, a program. So I'm looking around and I'm looking around and oh, here it is. Oh, no, that's suggested programs. Wait, here it is. Oh, no, that, that. Oh, oh, uh, oh, found it. Yeah. And this thing, I got to tell you, man, I, I wish I could find a screenshot of this thing. I can't remember how I got there, unfortunately. It was somewhere buried within the menus, the delete option. And it was there, but it was like, imagine, if you will, a Commodore 64 or an Apple IIe screen. It's like green 
with like white or black text. And it just, it looks like they put the absolute minimum effort into this. It was, it was, I mean, I haven't seen anything like this since I was running Windows 2000 Professional. I mean, oh my God, it was, but we're going to soldier on. So I'm clicking and I'm clicking and finally I managed to delete a couple of things that were massive and free up a little bit of hard drive space. And so I went back to Dixon Play on the Fire TV and they have a, a trial thing that you can actually just try the app to see if it works. And that's what I've been trying to do. And I forced quit the app and, and launched it again. And it ended up saying, oh, you have one minute of trial. It's like, well, that's not a trial. That's that's like a commercial. I mean, I want to actually try the app for maybe five, ten minutes, you know, give me a little bit of time, you know, but one minute it is. And it took about 30 seconds for it to properly buffer and to actually kind of settle down. The picture was really pixelated at the beginning. Mind you, this is local. I mean, this is broadcasting over my network. It's It's taking it from the recorder via Ethernet into my router, and then it's putting it on the Fire TV. Yeah, that's wireless, but still, it's a local connection. And yet, it was so pixelated. I mean, it looked terrible. And I don't know whether it's that you have to buy it before they open up some enhanced quality functions or whatever. But regardless, I'm like, well, okay, I'm not willing to pay for this, given my experience with Dixum. And honestly, just don't buy any. You know, I was tempted last week. There there was another thing that they offer, Dixum offers. They're effectively the one manufacturer of TV tuners for computers and things that you can do, like like Slingbox, that sort of thing. They're like the one popular manufacturer here. There really isn't a lot of competition. There's there's one seg. I'll talk about that next week. It's like a mobile version of TV, but it's mainly for mobile phones and the quality is really low. But other than that, there really isn't much competition in terms of like having a streaming box. You know, Plex, for example, supports TV tuners and you can have DVR functionality and all sorts of stuff. But there's, you know, multitude of companies that make TV tuners that are compatible with Plex. And so you plug those into your computer and your computer, your Plex server acts like a DVR. But there really isn't a lot of support for this kind of thing in Japan. It may partly be because of the BCAS card. I talked about that last week. That's the access card you need, the the card with the smart chip in it, that you need to get digital television signals here. And so Dixon makes a TV tuner. They make a bunch of tuners, actually. But they make one that's specifically targeted at Android and iOS devices. And it has a card built in. It comes with one. And you hook it up to BSCS or you hook it up to Terrestrial Antenna. And you can view programs anywhere. You can view them in your house, out of your house, wherever. But uh, I was so frustrated with the interface. They actually, I bought it because back when I had an Apple TV, they had released an Apple TV app. And I I swear to you, it had no pictures anywhere. Like it had like little, maybe like little graphics, like logos of the different channels. But it was just, I I have to find a picture of this thing because you would not believe how horrible the user interface is. And I... I got sick of it after a week. I just, I sold the thing. I'm like, you know, the, the iOS apps kept crashing. The Apple TV app was, it, it is the worst Apple TV app I've ever seen. And if there are any fart apps on the App Store, I guarantee you those are better than this one. It was that bad. So I debated about talking about it, but ultimately I was like, eh, I don't want to give Dixon any, anything. But now having had this terrible experience this week, I'm like, you know what? I need to warn you all. Just don't buy anything from Dixon. Just, just don't. Just, it, it's not worth it. 
But back to the story, I ended up going back to the Panasonic remote app and I was able to change the channel. Apparently, the hard drive being full prevented it from doing anything. I mean, anything. Like, you couldn't do anything with that remote unless there was just a little bit of free hard drive space, which I guess makes sense because it needs to process things or write things to the cache or whatever. But regardless... I was able to change the channel to channel 10 and we won and we're going to the finals, except we're not because they retracted that story. So we'll see how they do tonight. I'm hoping 8 p.m. Japan time. Nippon. By the way, the cha-cha-cha thing I was talking about last week, it's like this is like clapping. That's cha-cha-cha, right? Nippon. Anyway, I really hope they win it, you know? By the way, they kept cutting in on curling. Like, they would come in, like, halfway through an end. It's like 10 of the stones. Like, half of the stones have been thrown. And it's like, well, but you missed half the action. Like, oh, it's so frustrating. And the male announcer was just so obsessed with mentioning the the women's ages every two minutes. Oh, but when the male coach came over, oh, no mention of his age. Uh, amazing. <sighs> So frustrating. And I ended up watching the game yesterday that they lost uh, to the United Kingdom and NHK put it on on their app after it had already aired on television. It was when I was at work, so I couldn't watch it. But what was really cool is that I got to see comparison between commercial television and what NHK does. And NHK basically just put, I guess it was a Canadian. He sounded Canadian. I never caught his name, unfortunately, because he was he was very lovely. He was great. He was knowledgeable. He knew a lot more about it than that male Japanese announcer did. And he mentioned one of their ages once, but only in the context of, well, she's 27, but she's done this and she's been to 10 world tours and she's done all, the, you know, it was, it was to kind of drive home a point, you know. Um, other than that, he tended to stay away from talking about their physical appearances or their ages. Whereas if you watch it in Japanese, it's like, oh, tends to be just like, you know, oh, look, they're so cute. Oh, look at her smile. Oh, look at her frown. Oh, what are they eating? Oh, God. There's a controversy this week when NHK cut away from their snack time. And oh, <sighs> sorry. It's been one of those weeks where like people are driving me crazy. Hopefully they'll win tonight and we'll go on to the finals and maybe just maybe get a medal out of this. Wouldn't that be incredible? Moral of the story is... Uh, stay away from broadcast television. You know, once you go streaming, it's a hard habit to weaning uh, or something. I don't know. I really do need a script because I tend to rant and ramble. But I hope you enjoyed this kind of unusual episode of Zetai Geek Dayo. Uh, I will be back in fighting form next week with tons of stories, fun stuff, train talk time and all of that. You know, one quick point about train talk time I've been meaning to mention, the little sound I play at the beginning, that's the Osaka subway or soon to be Osaka metro sound. And, uh, you know, if you have any questions or anything about the show or any comments, I would love to hear from you. There's you know, Marcus and Allison and, and Jeannie and Bippy and, and all of you, you people who message me from time to time. And, oh, I love that. You have no idea how much that means to me. Thank you so much. There's like 15 of you listening at this point. I've watched my download numbers slowly plummet over the past two months. It's been kind of fun. Uh, and I'm still not sure why I'm doing this podcast, but I'm going to keep on because, you know, it's, it's fun. And, um, even if I'm just talking to myself, uh, you know, I was having a really, really rough couple days and it kind of, it's fun to just chat, 
even with myself, for just a, a little bit. So for now, if you can, please subscribe and overcast your podcast or whatever podcast app you choose. It really, really, really would mean a whole lot to me. The show is also available at Apple Podcasts. If you could rate or review the show, it really, that would help me out more than anything else. Really, that would help me out. It would help out with discovery, getting the word out there, because if you rate it, it jumps it up to the top and people see it. And at this point, I think no one's seeing it. So really, if you could rate it, it would help. Just take two minutes, give it a rating. I think, I think the problem, though, is that no one, you have to rate it in the Japanese store. I think that's the target audience. And I think all the people I know who are listening to this, for the most part, most of you aren't in the Japanese region. So it probably is hard to bump it up there. But regardless, I would really just love to have more people listen to it. I know it's kind of a niche show, but I'm trying to make it fun. I'm trying to make it interesting. And I'm trying a bunch of different things. So I hope you'll stick around and if there are any show notes, I think there are show notes. You can find them at platypuspodcast.com slash geek slash is this 18? I think this is 18. Yeah, which is also where you're going to find links to all of my social media. I really don't have anything on my screen. Oh, well, if it's not 18, I'll fix it in post. You can find, and uh, if you have any comments, questions, concerns, topics, you just want to chat about anything, especially curling, especially curling and how amazing this Japanese team is. They are incredible. And win or lose, I'm so, so proud of them. Omerito, ganbarimashitane. You can message me on Twitter at KayleeDayo with the hashtag ZetaiGeekDayo so I can find them. Or, you know, don't even stick the hashtag on there. I'll still probably find it if you message me. Until next week. Bye-bye. ZetaiGeekDayo is still and for always and forever a Platypus Podcast production. Thanks for listening all the way to the end.